When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I know entirely too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's the deal. That's why we do this. With me, as always, is my co-host, uh, the reluctant expert of all things Rock Hall. That might be your new title, as opposed to the skeptic. The vo- I mean, the voice of the people still, for sure. But the now begrudging expert after four years of being subjected to Rock Hall discussion every week, Kristen Stuttered. Hey, Kristen. Hello, Joe. It's been a few weeks since we have done a proper episode. We took a uh, unofficial break, as you have been begging for <laughs> since we started, and we've never taken a, a true break. Did you release anything while we were gone? Yeah, I did. I, I remastered the Pat Benatar episode with Karen Kilgariff. And then I also put together a gloating episode where I just put clips in of us knowing what the inductees were going to be uh, hey. when things were announced and stuff. So hashtag victory lap. Hashtag victory lap. Before we introduce our guest and that voice quickly, Kristen, we got to say not only are we back, we're going to be back live. Yeah, we're doing back. The we're podcast. back live in action somehow, <laughs> some way. Uh, I believe to the day after this is released. So Saturday. May 28th and potentially the 29th as well. We will be at the Bottle Rock Festival up in the Napa Valley of California. And uh, we don't have the specific details yet of when. At the time of recording, details are unclear, but we do know we will be at least doing one live partial episode. Yeah, or or full. Or full episode. A lot of TVDs. But uh, it'll be at the Feast It Forward space and stage at the Bottle Rock Festival. So you, if you're in the area or if you were going to go to that festival already, and I could see some of our listeners wanting to go, there's like, you know, a lot of cool artists that are going to be performing there. So um, big acts. Yeah. Metallica heads. Come on by. <laughs> plus wine, right? And plus and, wine. And plus wine. Exactly. Listen, all, all my Pitbull and Chardonnay fans, let's uh, <laughs> come together on this. Let's connect. <laughs> to watch a live podcast. All right. Uh, let's bring in that voice, a friend of the show, uh, someone we, we like to talk to. And uh, he has an open invitation to come up with a theme for any episode that he wants ever and come on although this one is something i came up with but i knew that he would like it let's bring in the host yeah (laughs) the host of slate's hit parade podcast music writer chris melanfi hey chris hey hey everybody 
Yeah, this is a brainchild of Joe's, but it it was catnip for me. So uh, why don't you explain what we're going to talk about today? Exactly. So at first, this was just a Twitter thread that I did that I thought would be fun. And I found myself putting a lot of research into just one Twitter thread. And I was like, this maybe uh, is more substantial than I'm thinking. And I would also like to maybe put all this time I spent into it into uh, a proper episode because I know, you know, our listeners don't necessarily follow our Twitter every single day, and they might miss it, and I think it's worth discussion. So the point is, looking at this class, my theory, my thesis, is that 1983 is an extremely important year for every inductee, and that in a way that I don't know that you could necessarily find, maybe in the early days of the Rock Hall around certain years in the 60s, but there with 83 especially if you look at the charts there is significant presence from a good number of these artists at any given time there is no week on the charts where not a few of these artists aren't doing something making at at all levels of the charts so in addition to what they're releasing so 83 that's the name of the game today we're going to be Bull talking Lucas. about the year the year 19 1983 83 we almost also did 1984 because that is, Chris, you can explain. That's your stated favorite year of music. It is. It's the yeah. year that I, I became a regular AT40, American Top 40 listener. It's widely considered like one of the greatest years of pop right up there with like 1965 or 1971, where just the charts were full of bangers. And 83 is kind of like the warm up for 84. So 83 is virtually as great. Um, Mm -hmm. Honestly, the two years are almost interchangeable. My friend Michelangelo Matos uh, also did a book all about 1984. Yeah, uh, it's like pretty freaky, though, because it's like the future. It it was written so long ago. I've been trying to figure out a way to talk about George Orwell's 1984 for the last couple of minutes. And that was the, that was the route I chose and it was the wrong one. Um, (laughs) I can't believe you're friends with the author of 1984 is what I should have said. I thought uh, would have worked. George Orwell is one of my favorite. I thought his name was George Orwell. There we go. I got there. Cut it all. So it sounds like I'm clever. Thank you. Nope. <laughs> so I'm friends with I'm friends with the guy who uh, did the book Can't Slow Down. Uh, I think the subtitle is Why 1984 uh, is Pop's Great Year. I'm forgetting the the exact subtitle, but I highly recommend that book. But 83 is an excellent year, and you are right, Joe, that for this crop of inductees, 83 may be the more pivotal year. So it's it's apropos that we're talking about 83. Yeah, uh, and Can't Slow Down. Obviously, that's the title of the book. That is. Obviously, the title of the huge uh, Lionel Richie uh, album that came out in 83. Late 83 and spun yeah. off a lot of hits in 84, which is why it's the title of that book. But yes, yes, right. 83 is when that, that that album drops. So, yep. So before we kind of jump into it, I think let's lay some groundwork at what's happening at the very, very end of 1982. So mm-hmm. we can kind of establish the context and where we're going. And there's a lot here. So Pat Benatar has Shadows of the Night. Off the Get Nervous album, which was released mm-hmm. in, in September of 82, debuted on the charts in October. And then at the very end of 82, it is peaking at number 13. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we will continue to see it after that. The album 
uh, Get Nervous was at number eight at the beginning of 1983. Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran hadn't charted when it was released in uh, June of 82, but this was the era of MTV kind of coming into its own with the heavy airplay. Uh, They did a re-release at the very end of 82, December 3rd, and the very last week of the year, it entered the charts at number 77. At this point, the Rio album is at number 95 on the album charts. So they're nowhere yet. They are just beginning their climb at the very beginning of the year. The self-titled debut album of Lionel Richie, before Can't Slow Down, the, the first one, is released in October of 82. The lead single was Truly. in September, debuted in October, went to number one in late November, but it remained it remained there for a few weeks, still at the in the top 10 at the end of 82. And the self-titled album is at number three on the charts at the beginning of the year. Uh, just looking at the album charts, we've got, so, you know, when we talk about these artists, I also want to include some of the side category uh, inductions this year, including, you know, Jimmy Iovine, Mm-hmm. Produced Long After Dark by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. That's at number mm-hmm. 12. He also produced Belladonna, which is at number 138. You know, Judas Priest's Screaming for Vengeance is still on the charts at number 39. Uh, and we can also talk about Sylvia Robinson and her Sugar Hill Records label. Uh, Grandmaster sure. Flashes. The mm-hmm. Message is at number 78. And when we talk about Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis... Technically, they were still members of the time at this point. Not for long when Prince yeah. is going to fire them, but yes. <laughs> right, right, right. I believe they're, they're credited on what time is it, although I think people don't mm-hmm. believe that they're actually on the record and that Prince maybe played all the instruments, but I believe they're still technically. That's at number 106. Dolly Parton's Greatest Hits is at 108. The Carnival EP by Duran Duran is at 179. And the SOS band album number three, which was right before Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis like really started to produce their work. They were producing just like a song or two that was at 187. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of representation of these artists and we won't keep getting back into the album charts because that is a lot to cover, (laughs) you know, to a, a top 200 every time. But that is where we begin at the start of 1983. 1983 kicks off the ball drops in Times Square. There's stiletto heels. There is there there's hairspray is getting there. We're getting some hairspray. Uh, It's more probably hair gel at this point. Maybe Moose has entered the conversation for sure. I don't know what the what the length of the mini skirt is at this point. It's 83. I'm just trying to set the scene for the people who maybe uh, didn't connect to all those numbers that were just said mm-hmm. for the last yes, couple of minutes. Yes, I come through as the robot, <laughs> and then you come in with a little paintbrush and give a little flair. Anything you would like to add before we begin, Chris? Here's a little trivia bit that's fun. Uh, what was the first Billboard chart that Duran Duran appeared on with Hungry Like the Wolf? Because it wasn't the Hot 100, uh, and that's an interesting uh, bit of trivia. Does this chart still exist? In a in a different name, yes, it does still exist. Was it Absolutely. on the Black Singles chart? Oh, it was not on the R&B chart. That would be amazing, but no, Duran Duran. Even when yeah. they got remixed by Nile Rodgers, were not on the Hot Black Singles chart. Okay. Well, that's which that's is, by the way, worth bringing up yeah. the kind of nomenclature, which was indie 
the early 80s, they changed it from, I believe it was called the Soul Charts, and then yes. they decided to call it the Black Singles Chart, which is interesting now because you would assume Black Singles Chart would not be the nomenclature that they would come up with in the 80s. You would think that would be something they came up with yeah. way before then. That seems way too recent it to It seems have. like it would go from like race records to Black Singles Chart yeah. to soul music to rhythm and blues to urban right. contemporary or whatever. I'm happy to report that chart never had urban in its title. Oh. That, that, that term has actually been uh, debunked in recent years. The order goes race records, then R&B. As far back as the 50s, uh, that term was coined in something like 1951 by uh, Jerry Wexler of Atlantic Records. It's R&B for quite a long time. It becomes soul toward the end of the 60s. It's soul for all of the 70s. Then it becomes hot black singles. And the person you can pretty hot much credit singles? that- Hot black singles? Hot black singles. Oh, I'm not kidding. That Every is, time, that's great. Yeah, no, that is such a yeah. fun name. I've definitely seen a commercial for that uh, late, late at night. <laughs> exactly. Okay. The person you can probably credit hot black singles for and just black albums, black singles, uh, the, that kind of let's not beat around the bush title is Nelson George, the famed, uh, you mm -hmm. know, music critic and author who at the time was working for Billboard. And I've read the column that he wrote the week in, I think it was 82, that they inaugurated black singles and black albums as the title. And he's basically like, look, this to me is the term that summarizes what this chart is about. It's music yeah. aimed at a black audience. And he was right, but it was it was an awkward name that they kept for a little less than a decade. And at the turn of the 90s, they went with R&B. And it has been some form of R&B hip hop. It, they added hip hop to the name in the late 90s, and it's been R&B hip hop for now decades. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the order that goes in. For those yeah, who it's care. interesting. That is a, a chart that we will be looking at as we go through this. Uh, and I thought maybe Duran Duran was on there because I noticed as I was going through checking out the charts, like New Order pops up on that chart. Like, you know, it's not, even though it is black singles, it is not always black artists. Correct. I mean, just to digress slightly, in early 82, Daryl Hall and John Oates topped that chart with mm. I Can't Go For That. I, I think it's still called Soul Singles at the moment they top it, but still, that's remarkable. But no, Duran Duran are not on Hot Black Singles. The answer to the trivia question is the album Rock Chart. And this is sort of significant because basically this is kind of the moment when AOR is experimenting with Duran Duran and then we'll hand off Duran Duran kind of to Top 40 Radio. This is a moment when AOR stations, who are at their kind of spinal tappiest moment, you know, in terms of what they're playing, mm -hmm. they are very much the format of everything from Judas Priest to Journey, but they are playing Duran Duran because they are following what's happening. We haven't mentioned MTV yet. MTV now is at about a year and a half old and is really dictating the conversation, particularly in rock. And what Hungry Like the Wolf. What was the, the dates that MTV premiered? Do you know that? MTV premiered August 1st, 1981. And by the way, here's another piece of trivia. That day, okay, I can. I, here's the easy trivia question. <laughs> what is the first video that MTV plays? You know it like the back of your hand, right? Yeah, yeah video it's uh, killed video the killed star. the radio star. Great. What's the second video ever played on MTV? You Better Run by Pat Benatar. Pat Benatar. That is correct. Yes, Run. Pat Benatar, our inductee, was the second ever video played on MTV. So mm -hmm. Pat Benatar is kind of the sweet spot of what AOR wants to be in 81, 82. But by 82, they're starting to experiment with more synthy stuff. They're even playing stuff like Kaja Gugu or Culture Club that you would think would be way too florid for yeah. AOR. And yet... AOR is taking their cues from MTV. And so basically the first chart that Hungry Like the Wolf appears on way back in August of 82, it was then called Top Tracks, which was basically Billboard's code for this is a chart that tracks songs that may or may not be 
released as retail singles and are getting played by rock stations. Ah. Hence, they called it Top Tracks. They changed it to Album Rock by, I think, 83. It didn't last very long. Is it still called Rock Album Rock? Now it's changed names several times, but now it's called Mainstream Rock to distinguish it from uh, Alternative Rock, which yeah. frankly have bled which into each other. Which is such an yeah. indis- like, what I mean, a, there's what a lot a to get meaningless in there. distinction anymore. Uh, yeah. At this point, really main, Mainstream Rock, if you look at those charts, feels way more niche than Modern Rock. Here, here. Mainstream Rock is like Saliva and Chevelle and you're like, who oh, kill me? Who's playing any of this anyway? In January of '83, so mm. about three weeks into the year, uh, "Hungry Like the Wolf" goes to number one on the album rock chart. So Duran Duran have one and only one number one album rock hit, and it happens at the beginning of '83. And this is sort of the last moment where it's plausible for Duran to Duran Duran to be an album rock act. And then pretty quickly, they become sort of co-opted and owned by Top 40 Radio. They will continue to chart at Rock Radio, but at much lower positions. They were plausibly an AOR act for about five minutes. Wild, wild. AOR. Album-oriented rock. Thank you. Yes, which was the term invented in the 70s and once meant we're kind of freeform and we'll play the 20-minute song on side B of an album. But by the early 80s, it had already become very commodified and co-opted and it was a format like any other. All right, let's start with the with the first week of, of January. Where Are We? Truly by Lionel Richie is at number 10. You've got two tracks from Jimmy Iovine produced albums. You Got Lucky by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at 26. Got mm-hmm. Shame on the Moon by Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band at number 21. That's off their album, The Distance. Shame on the moon. And you've got Shadows of the Night had peaked at the very end of the last year. It's now falling down the charts at number 27. Worth mentioning that first week, specifically on January 4th, you've got the Sweet Dreams are made of this album released. And you've also got Defenders of the Faith by Judas Priest. That album is released on that same day. As we go into the second week of January, we got Shame on the Moon is at, it's climbing. Uh, you Got Lucky is climbing. Truly is now falling. But as Truly hits number 28, You Are debuts on the charts at number 49. You are the sun. You are the All the interesting Lionel Richie singles from that first album, the self-titled album, are the ones after Truly. Truly is kind of the soporific big ballad number one hit. It's him coming off of Endless Love, the duet he had with Diana Ross in 81. Mm -hmm. So naturally, they let off that album with the ballad. You Are and the follow-up hit, which we'll get to, Mm -hmm. are both, frankly, better songs and have lasted yeah, exactly. You still hear them, even though Truly was a was a big hit. You almost never hear it on yeah, the radio Yeah, I don't anymore. even know Correct. if I know Truly, but I do know you are. Also, that second week, Shadows of the Night is out of the top 40. So you said Shadows of the Night peaked at 13, and that's it for Shadows of the Night? Yeah. and then I it, think that song kicks ass, and I just would have thought it would have done better. It kicks ass. It should have done better. What's interesting about Benatar in this period, she, this is kind of the interregnum between top 10 hits for her. She's, she goes top 10 in 1980 with Hit Me With Your Best Shot, Hit me with your best shot. Which makes it all the way to number nine. And then 
I think, again, because she's perceived as an album-oriented rock artist, they promote her singles to Top 40 Radio, but they're also kind of pushing her as a rock act at this time. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're, they're probably pushing harder at AOR than they're pushing at Top 40 Radio at the beginning of 1983, which is why these singles kind of underperform. Now, you'll have to forgive me because I was but an infant when all of this was happening. Um, of course. But when you say, like, pushing her as an AOR act, meaning they were pushing her to different radio stations or meaning they were Correct. like, put, okay. So these uh, charts that were list that were, he- that were like engaging with, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I'm like music and the radio are all one thing and albums are what people make singles to sell their albums. And that's how it goes. Why differentiate it like that? Well, okay. So, Shadows of the Night was released as a 45 RPM single that you could buy in a retail store. Hence, it was eligible to chart on the Hot 100. But if there were a cut that they were promoting to album-oriented rock radio, then that might not get released as a 45, and they might push that to that radio format while they're working Shadows of the Night to Top 40 radio. I'm sure they would have loved it if Shadows of the Night had gone top 10. The charts by early 83, end of 82, are getting much more competitive. There was sort of a doldrumsy period. This is an important detail. 81, 82, is the post-disco nadir of Top 40 Radio. Like, it's very soporific. It's a whole lot of air supply, country pop crossover, some of which is better than others. The the good stuff is Dolly Parton. The less good stuff is, I actually kind of like Ronnie Millsap, but like, this is like Ronnie Millsap crossing over with some of his more yachty stuff. It's it's Lionel Richie with Truly. I love Lionel, but Truly is is ass as a song, in my humble opinion. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Mm -hmm. Um, So... 81, 82 is is not a great time for Top 40 Radio. 83 is where the competition is heating up. It really starts to happen in the summer of 82 with records like The Human League's Don't You Want Me, Jack and Diane by John Cougar, when, which is, by the way, what he was known back then. Not John Cougar Mellencamp, not John Mellencamp, just John Cougar. John Cougar. Oh, I thought it. I thought it was Johnny Cougar, but what do I? Remember? He was. Jo- you're right. He was Johnny Cougar in the late '70s. He became John Cougar by '81, '82. He became John Cougar Mellencamp by '83. <laughs> he became John Mellencamp by the '90s, and that is my dissertation on John Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, you know, for the, for the record, as an inductee, the Cougar is nowhere to be found. Uh, he is officially an inductee ah. as John Mellencamp. No uh, recognition of Cougar, which he hated and was forced to do. Uh, and got got rid of it as fast as he felt like he could. So as we're going into the third week of January, you know, we still got Shame on the Moon uh, at, at 12. You got Lucky Steady at 21, but Hungry Like the Wolf and You Are both cracked the top 40 uh, this nice. week, right next to each other, in fact, at, at 34 and 35, respectively. And then we've got Truly finally leaving the top 40. Uh, also, rinse. yeah, get out of here. We've got Little Too Late, the single by Pat Benatar, is released this week. Doesn't hit the charts yet. Also, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, the single is also released. Take note of that, but will not enter the charts just yet. And then as we finish out January... Shame on the moon, cracking the top 10 at number nine. You got lucky cracks the top 20 and hungry like the wolf. And you are 
are still next to each other as they climb to 27 and 28. And let me say about Bob Seeger that despite the fact that this man is from Detroit, he is beloved by a, let's call it country to pop crossover audience. Shame on the Moon is probably, I would say, his most country flavored top 10 hit. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it, it, it's the twangiest thing he ever did. And I don't want to spoil it because you're going to go week by week, but it does extremely well because this is sort of peak Seeger coming mm-hmm. out of the Against the Wind album that went to number one in 1980. Pretty much anything Seeger released on this new album, The Distance, is probably going to go the distance, no pun intended, in early 83. And uh, and Shame on the Moon absolutely does. And it's interesting because uh, Shame on the Moon, I know probably offhand about 20 Bob Seeger songs and Shame on the Moon is not one of them. Yeah, I'm over here like, why are we talking? About, but did Jimmy Iovine, what happened? Produced it. He produced okay. it, yes. I'm like, so somebody, was, okay. A, a Jimmy, he produced the whole distance album. Yeah. So that's why we keep talking about Bob Seeger. <laughs> and, uh, and, let's get, and let's give Jimmy his props. I mean, the guy was versatile. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. fact that he he basically produces what is, for all intents and purposes, a country rock ballad. That's not even a ballad. It's kind of a mid-tempo two-step, you know, and gets it as far on the charts as he does. Like that that's fairly impressive at the same time that he's doing Petty, at the same time that he's doing Stevie Nicks, which we'll talk about later. The, the guy is kind of all over the place. Yeah, in a, in a good way. So as yeah. we get to, February at first week, Shame on the Moon cracks the top five. You Got Lucky is steady at 20. Solid showing from Jimmy. Uh, Hungry Like the Wolf and You Are are climbing. They're not next to each other anymore. Mickey by Tony Basil is in between them at number 23, but you know, they're at 22 and 24. And then we do get Little Too Late, the Fat Benatar song, debuts on the charts at number 73. More of the same in the second week. Shame on the Moon hits number four. You Got Lucky's steady at 20. Now, though, it's in between. Hungry Like the Wolf and You Are, that has climbed to meet. So we've got three consecutive here. Again, more of the same. Shame on the Moon inches up to number three. Hungry Like the Wolf is climbing pretty fast. Uh, it jumps 10 spots to number nine. You Are is climbing a little more slowly. It's at number 18. You Got Lucky off the charts. Shame on the Moon makes it to number two. Hungry yep. Like the Wolf uh, gets to number six. You Are is at number 14. Little Too Late still climbing, still outside the, the top 40. And then a new Tom Petty song, Change of Heart, debuts at number 54. I know that this might be a review for some people, but these are album sales charts. This is these are album plays. These are like no, record these spins are, on. So these are sing, this is the singles chart. So this is and this Chris, is the Hot 100. Yeah, this is the Hot 100, which is is Billboard's flagship singles chart. It is the chart that has existed since 1958. It's also the chart that, especially at this time, Casey Kasem, may he rest in peace, was counting down on American Top 40. American Top 40 launches in 1970. It's hosted by Casey for the next 18 years through the late 80s. All of these movements right now, you know, moving into the top 10. Yeah, coming I mean, in I number remember two. this. Mm-hmm. Like, I Casey. remember Casey Kasem and telling the top 10 on the radio and stuff like that. But and that's yep. this. Yeah, that's essentially yes. what I'm drawing from. Right. But I just mean the way to move up this chart is to sell more records or to get played more on the radio. The answer is to both of your questions both. is yes. Okay. That was um, okay. Because it's it like launched, the composite of that, right? It's a composite. That's okay. exactly right. That okay. Well put. Since its launch in 1958, the the Hot 100 has always measured at least two things, radio, airplay, and sales of singles. The third thing it now measures, because we're living in the 2020s, streams. is streams, which is now yeah. bigger than either a radio or singles. But yes. back then, it was basically a two-ingredient chart, radio and sales. And th- those are the things that determine the And chart. it's sales of the single, not the sales single, of not the album. album. Correct. 
Exactly right. right. So you could be okay. selling a lot of the album, but that would not affect how the singles are and charting on the Hot 100. means this now makes a lot more sense with AOR. If you're trying to sell singles versus trying to move full albums, that's where the difference is with the charts that we're looking at and why you might be selling a lot of albums, but maybe you're not selling as many singles because who's, right. I don't know. Right. No, you're exactly right. So yeah, let's, let's, let's get into March here. We, again, we've got like the shame on the moon is still at number two, but like kind of the story is that hungry, like the wolf is, is climbing. The wolf is climbing the mountain. Uh, it's going to howl at the moon soon. It gets to number five. You are is at number 11, little too late cracks the top 40 at number 37 change of heart. The Tom Petty song jumps to number 45. Also this week, You've got the Rio album goes gold. So we're getting a lot of indications that Duran Duran is starting to really uh, break through. Uh, yep. That happens on March 1st. And then Pat Benatar's Get Nervous album goes platinum on March 7th. For those who care, uh, you know, because we've been talking about Shame on the Moon holding at number two for week after week. We should, even though this is not a part of the Rock Hall induction discussion this year, the reason that Shame on the Moon ain't moving is because a certain record called Billie Jean by Michael Jackson has jumped over Shame on the Moon mm -hmm. to number mm -hmm. one at the beginning of March and mm -hmm. is going to sit there for seven weeks. So not yeah. to spoil things, but you can tell that that's not going to work out too well for Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet <laughs> right. Band. I, ha I had that in my in my notes for the second week. It just cannot beat Billie Jean. So it, it stays at number two again. Number Number two with a silver bullet. Thank you. Hey. Boom. Uh, coming back after that 1984 <laughs> debacle at the beginning. She's and you back. Keep that, you keep that silver bullet away from the, the hungry wolf from at number five. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we got you are at number 10. Little Too Late is at number 29. Change of Heart is number 38. And then, I mean, as Shame on the Moon is hanging out there at number two, we've got a new Seeger song called Even Now which debuts at number 74 that week. Which by the way is a signal from the single from a signal, excuse me, from the label that they know that Shame on the Moon is probably topped out. The minute you see another single debut on the charts, that's the mm -hmm. label saying, yeah, okay, we're giving up. Particularly back then when Radio Paola and this the sort of label system was very regimented. It's not like the Wild West of streaming that we have now. As soon as another single is debuted, you know they're going to start pulling all of their firepower away from the single that has already peaked. Shame on the Moon is done. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Um, <laughs> now, also on the, on the Black Singles chart, we've got something from Sylvia Robinson's Sugar Hill Records. Uh, the yep. Sugar Hill Gangs, uh, The Word Is Out, debuts at number 84. Word is out, we want y'all to know that we came here to rock this show. So get out to see. Don't let your feet stop that beat that makes your fingers uh, And that's our first time checking in with that chart, but we will continue to do that throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Third week of March, Shame on the Moon, still at number two. This is the last week it's going to be up there. Hungry Like the Wolf has made it to number four. You are has made it to number six. And then we've got little too late. Number 25 change of heart. Number 28. And even now is now climbing. It's at number 50 as we expect shame on the moon to fall as it does in the next week falls at number 12 hungry like the wolf and you are, which really kind of rose the charts together are at number three and number four respectively little too late is at number 20 change of heart steady at 28 even now is now in the top 40 at number 34. And at some point, and I couldn't find the exact date, but the single Rio, is, Rio is re-released. 
yes. now that there's a lot of groundswell with Duran Duran as the Rio single did not chart at all in 82. Oh. They're like, okay, with Hungry Like the Wolf hitting the top five and MTV playing the shit out of Duran Duran, let's see how Rio does. So that's where we are at the end of March. And this is common. Uh, it's like taking a, a song that didn't do well when the band was breaking, and now you've broken them with a different hit. This, to give a later example, this happens with Guns N' Roses later in 1988. They don't break with Welcome to the Jungle in 1987. They go to number one with Sweet Child of Mine, and then they reissue Welcome to the Jungle, and it goes top 10 the second time. Yeah. So this is a very common practice. It's like you break a band with a song. If there's an old hit that you're like, we can get another bite at that apple, you go back to the old hit. Very common. And we, and we will see this with with another inductee later this year, the very same thing. But before yes. we get to that or anything else, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into April 1983. Wow. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, uh, you- You lifted up others in your industry. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, should we get okay, into- Okay, so it's April of 1983. Yes. The air is thick with the scent of Jean uh, Nate perfume and, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Love's Baby Soft. And- uh, uh, I also thought it might be fun to talk about movies that were topping the box office. Uh, sure, yeah, chime in. Tootsie was number one for like the entirety of the first three months of 1983. Like with a couple of brief breaks, it's like Tootsie is like dominating the box office. Just Interesting. To put that in context in a few weeks we'll talk about a, a movie that uh has a huge impact on the on the pop charts which is flash dance that doesn't appear until um, april oh of 80, for sure late but april yeah late april of 83 uh this first week in april we've we've still got hungry like the wolf and you are steady at number three and number four they're not going to get better than that that is the peak for for both of those uh shame on the moon continues to fall little too late is steady at number 20 change of heart is on its heels at number 21 even now is at 27 we've got rio the song is debuting at number 58 and we've got uh, sugar hill gangs word is out peaking at number 71 on the black singles chart not too much changes second week hunger like the wolf still at number three ur is starting to fall shame on the moon is falling but it's still in the top 20 people love that song Little Too Late, Steady at number 20, Change of Heart, still at 21, even now is at 22, so we've got 2021, 22. Rio, though, cracks the top 40 at number 40. And now we've got, as UR starts to fall, we see uh, My Love by Lionel Richie debuting at number 55. go back to Benatar for a minute. A mm -hmm. little too late is a is a is a bop, and it it like uh, Shadows of the Night. It should have done better on the charts. It's a sizable AOR hit. You know, Benatar is in an interesting place uh, at the beginning of 83. She's kind of this pop culture icon. If anybody has ever seen the late 1982 movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, there's literally a scene in that movie dedicated to the fact that everybody in the high school, Ridgemont High, is trying to dress like Pat Benatar. There are three women who Phoebe Cates is talking about how they all are trying to dress like Pat Benatar. She is like the icon of a certain brand of rock chick in 82, mm -hmm. 83 and a uh, little too late. That was a jam that, that like shadows of the night that totally should have done better than number 20. 
but that's about as high as it's going to get. That's where it peaks. Yeah. The things that were kind of at the top are starting to fall in the third week. Hungry Like the Wolf is falling to number six. You are to number 12. We've got Even Now from Bob Seger. Again, another song by Bob Seger that <laughs> is doing really well that I don't know. It's climbing to number 16. Change of Heart, uh, a, definitely a middling Tom Petty song, continues to be at 21. Shame on the Moon is, has fallen to 25. Uh, a Little Too Late has fallen to 27. But Rio is starting to climb. It, it makes it to number 35 as My Love is also starting to climb. And that's at number 37. Worth noting this week, uh, Screaming for Vengeance, which was the huge 1982 Judas Priest album, goes platinum on April 18th. Let's go to the fourth week of April. All right, Hungry Like the Wolf is falling as Even Now is, is climbing the charts. It's, they almost Even need- Now? Yeah, even now. That's at 13, as Hungry is at 11. You Are has fallen to number 17. Change of Heart slightly falls to 21. Shame on the Moon, steady at 25. But Rio's climbing to number 31. Little too late, out of the top 40, but Pat Benatar's Looking for a Stranger debuts at number 71. So as that single fades, we've got a new one that's going to make a run for it. This is also the week that the Rio album goes platinum on April 26th. All right, and then there's a uh, kind of a fifth week. Even now, steady at number 13, Hungry's falling at number 16, where it meets Rio, which is climbing, at number 17, UR falls at 20. Similarly, My Love is running up to meet it at number 22. Change of Heart and Shame on the Moon are off the top 40 at the end of April. It should be noted, by the way, that as uh, Duran Duran goes platinum in late April, that uh, the Rio album has actually cracked the top 10 on the album chart. It gets as high as, I believe, number six by this point. I think it's going to go higher. Yeah, Duran Duran Rio is now a top 10 album. They are uh, ascending. Duran Duran is taking over. Uh, All right, let's go to May. So we've got Even Now inching up to number 12. Rio has made its way to number 16. My Love is number 17. So again, you've got a pair of Duran Duran and Lionel Richie songs that are climbing the charts essentially together as the ones that once climbed together are now falling together. Hungry Like the Wolf and You Are are now at the bottom of the top 40. This week, Dolly Parton releases an album called Burlap and Satin on May mm. 2nd. Not an album that really anybody is ever talking about, especially from the uh, pop side of things. It certainly did well country-wise, but... We don't talk about country on this podcast or when it comes to the rock hall. It does go top five on the uh, country charts. So, yes, it does well at country, uh, about as well as her previous album, Heartbreak Express from 82. So Dolly Mm -hmm. is a consistent presence uh, on the country charts. But uh, things get more interesting for Dolly later in 1983. They sure do. All right. So we've got My Love uh, and Rio continuing to rise in the second week. They're at number 12, number 14, respectively, even now. Can you believe it? It's dropping uh, to number 18. Hungry Like the Wolf and You Are off the top 40. We've got Looking for a Stranger is just outside the top 40. And we finally got Sweet Dreams are made of this debuting on the charts at number 90. Uh, And then if we go and take a look at the black singles charts, we've got a debut from Grandmaster Flash in the Furious Five, a song called New York, New York, debuting at number 86. Third week, we finally, My Love cracks the top 10, number nine, Rio is steady at 14, even now continues to drop, looking for a stranger, cracks the top 40 at number 40, Sweet Dreams is getting there, but is not yet there, 
Uh, and then the last week of May, pretty much same old stuff. My love steady at number nine. Rio is starting to drop looking for a stranger is inching up to number 39, even now drops off the top 40. And of course, as we know the pattern here, as a Bob Seger song goes away, Another one takes its place. Uh, and, and of course, because it's 83, it's a Seeger song. Nobody knows. Roll Me Away debuts at number 55. Even less known than even now. A couple of quick observations. First of all, note that Rio by Duran Duran, now one of their most famous songs, peaks at number 14 on the Hot 100, never cracks the top 10, which is fairly remarkable. I, I can't theorize exactly what happened. First of all, it should be noted, MTV Play has never counted for the Hot 100, mm. unlike now when YouTube Play does count for the Hot 100, interestingly. so if YouTube you watch Play count. Oh, and, I mean, YouTube is uh, Gen Z MTV or Millennial MTV. It's... Uh, Totally, yeah. totally. People listen to music and, on YouTube a lot. Yeah. No, so as part of the streaming component of the charts, YouTube is now included. But MTV doesn't count. If MTV had counted in 1983, I think it's fair to say Rio would have been a top 10 or even a top five record. But it's got to get by on good old-fashioned sales and airplay, and it doesn't get any higher than number 14. And the only thing I want to say about My Love, which is the third single from that Lionel Richie album, is that even though it doesn't crack the country charts, My Love is, for all intents and purposes, kind of a twangy, mid-tempo country ballad. This is a, a theme that will persist for Lionel Richie, dating back to his Commodore's days with songs like Sail On. Lionel Richie has always had one toe dipped in the sounds of country music, and he's going to score actual country hits later in the decade. And My Love is almost like a, a dry run for that, even though it does not crack the country charts and is not promoted to country radio at this time. Yes, we definitely talked about that a fair bit in our Lionel episode about how popular he is, he, how he's like the other crossover artist on uh, this year of this year's class. He really yeah, is. Yeah, in, in a little more of a sly way, although he did mm -hmm. do a, a, a pretty uh, explicit country album with Tuskegee much later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so as we get into June, we've got My Love, it's still climbing, it's at number seven. Rio is starting to drop dramatically, it's at number 38, where it meets Looking for a Stranger right there at 39. Roll Me Away uh, is climbing up to number 44. Now, as Rio is dropping, we've got Is There Something I Should Know debuts at number 57. Some interesting things are happening with this. There's something I should know. That's released as a standalone single in England, and it goes to number one. It's Duran Duran's first, and I think quite possibly only number one hit in their homeland, which is bizarre, frankly. Okay. Um, or they're, maybe their last of the 80s. I, I'd have to double check that. But in America, it is attached to a reissue of the self-titled debut album from 1981, which is given a completely new cover. And is there something I should know is positioned as a single from that album. So not only are Capitol Records going back with songs like Rio and reissuing them now that Duran Duran have broke, they're actually going back and reissuing whole albums to try and score some more platinum sales out of Duran Duran now that they've broken Duran Duran. Yeah, it's clear that there's Duran Duran mania happening in America and the record companies are going to capitalize on it as, as much as they can. Yep. And uh, also we've got another Jimmy Iovine Produced song debuting this week, Stand Back by Stevie Nicks, debuts at number 16. In the second week, we've got My Love climbs to number five, which is its peak. Uh, Looking for a Stranger in Rio both drop off the top 40. And then we've got a group of four songs that kind of meet on the edge of the top 40. 
Roll Me Away is at number 35. Is There Something I Should Know is at number 44. Sweet Dreams is at 46. And Stand Back is at 47. Those will continue to be the songs we see in the third week with, you know, My Love is Starting to Drop. It's at number six. Is There Something I Should Know? Climb into 32. Roll Me Away. Climb into 33. Stand Back, 36. Sweet Dreams, 37. So all these songs are, are kind of rising together. As My Love drops to number 20 in the last week, Is There Something I Should Know? Is 24. Stand Back, 27. Roll Me Away, 31. Sweet Dreams, 32. Uh, New York, New York by Grandmaster Flash and Furious Five. It makes its peak at number 17 on the Black Singles charts in that last week of June. And also we've got, I believe, our first appearance on the charts of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, the SOS band. We've got Just Be Good to Me, which debuts on the Black Singles charts at number 79. see more uh, stuff coming from Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and the SOS band as, as we continue, you know, obviously Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis would ascend to great heights. This is really the beginning of their trajectory. Yeah. And SOS band uh, had had a, a massive hit a couple of years earlier with take your time, do it right. That was a 1980 hit. It reached the top five, but the hit they score with Jimmy and Terry, just be good to me is considered just as much of a classic and sort of, a dry run for their sound. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you, you can hear elements of what will later appear on Janet Jackson records on Just Be Good To Me. It's a, it's a fantastic record. All right, so let's go to July. We're, we continue to have the rise of these four songs that we've been talking about. Is there something I should know? Goes number 17, Stand Back, 19, Sweet Dreams, 26, Roll Me Away, 27, As My Love Falls, you know, to 37, then the next week, is there something I should know? 13, Stand Back, 14, Sweet Dreams, 20, Roll Me Away, 27. My Love is off the top 40 at that point. And then it keeps going with the, with these four. Is there something I should know? Goes to number nine, Stand Back, 11, Sweet Dreams, 15. Roll Me Away, though, starts to fall. It starts to roll away, as you might uh, describe. Uh, at number 36, and then it keeps going. Is there something I should know? Is number eight, Stand Back, number nine, Sweet Dreams, uh, number 11, and Roll Me Away has rolled completely off the top 40 at this point. And then uh, something to note, as Chris mentioned, this 1981 debut uh, from Duran Duran that they re-released at this point on July 22nd goes gold. So the choice to re-release that pays off. Yeah, and it's not long after this that uh, Duran Duran make the cover of Rolling Stone and it's Rolling Stone who calls them the Fab Five, thus you know completing the analogy of them to the 80s version of the Beatles, the idea that the so-called second British invasion, British, which uh-huh. was a... Which was a term at the time is at hand and mm-hmm. Duran Duran are sort of the the flagship act of that second British invasion. And then they'll go ahead and they'll call uh, Oasis the second British invasion <laughs> again. And that's Duran Duran erasure, uh, if exactly. you ask me. I, I totally agree. And then as we close out July, we've got three in the top 10. We've got, is there something I should know makes it to number five? Sweet Dreams is at six and Stand Back is at nine. And so we continue to see these three rise as we go into August. Sweet Dreams uh, leapfrogs uh, the others and is at number two. Is there something I should know is at number four? Uh, Stand Back is at number nine. I believe this is where, is there something I should know? This is their peak. That's their peak for that song. At At this point, it starts to fall. Sweet Dreams continues to be at number two, as is there something I should know falls to five. Stand Back comes up at number six. And then in the next week, those flop. As Sweet Dreams continues to say it too, Stand Back is at five. 
is there something I should know is at seven. What's happening at this point is who's uh, at one? Every is there breath, some every breath, uh, every breath you take, you take by the police? By the police, which is the number one song of all of 1983. It spends eight weeks at number one. So if anything is going to get past the police, it's got to be a pretty massive record. I mean, speaking as someone who remembers the radio from this period, this is a top ten full of bulleted songs, many of which are now still very well remembered. Every breath you take at number one, sweet dreams. She works hard for the money by Donna Summer is in the yes. top five at this time. I remember Maniac that music by- video. <laughs> Great oh, sure, music video. Yeah. yeah. Maniac by Michael Zambello from Flashdance is in the top five at this point. Yes. We've mentioned Stand Back. We, Men at Work are in the top 10 at this time. Duran Duran. It sounds like, a, you know, now that's what I call totally 80s or whatever. Like this mm-hmm. top 10, right. you could just put all of those on there from this it's one. A, you yeah. can literally pick up this top 10, including records like I'll Tumble For You by Culture Club. Oh, yeah. And putting and putting on the Ritz by Taco. And you could put them all on a, hey, remember the 80s compilation? Yeah. Like and this is when the, the 80s 10? are true. Truly becoming the yeah. 80s. Yes. Wow, that's so funny. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's a real uh, synecdoche, you could yeah. say. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> of the 80s Ooh. as a whole. Advanced um, word. I like it. All right, let's. And as we close out August, so Sweet Dreams still hasn't bested every breath you take. It's still at number two. Stand back, and is there something I should know? Are starting to fall a little bit. They're at number 17 to 15. Uh, but the maybe the most important thing that happens this week is that Islands in the Stream, a duet from Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers, debuts in the charts at number 58. Islands in the Stream, that is what we are. No one in between. How can we Interesting. I would like to talk about the, the, the origin stories of both these songs briefly uh, before we lose uh, Stand Back. Stevie Nicks, it had peaked at number five. It's now back at number seven. Stand Back famously, for those who don't know, is by Stevie Nicks's own admission, a rewrite of Prince's Little Red Corvette. And less famously, because she didn't advertise this fact until she released a, a Greatest Hits album a decade later, Prince plays keyboards on Stand Back. It is an uncredited keyboard mm-hmm. solo, and he basically arranged the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stevie Nicks legendarily calls Prince and say, um, I think I just ripped off your record. And rather than being pissed about this fact or demanding writing credit, Prince shows up in the studio, helps Stevie Nicks arrange the record, plays keyboards on it and then leaves in classic prince i just throw my guitar up in the air fashion he just walks out after he's only been there two or three hours having arranged a top five hit for her yeah and uh so if you've ever heard stand back and thought huh this sounds like the flip side of little red corvette that's because it is yeah you can sing stand back over the beginning of little red corvette because that's exactly what steven x did she just started singing a new melody over the the beginning of that And uh, as for Islands in the Stream, which is debuting this week, famously, this is a song written by the Gibb brothers, by the Bee Gees, at a time when the Bee Gees can't get arrested on the charts as frontline artists, they are still writing massive hits for other people. They mm-hmm. scored multiple hits from Barbra Streisand's Guilty album in 1980 and 81. They gave Dionne Warwick a top 10 hit in 1982 with Heartbreaker. And now here they are in 1983 writing what is ostensibly, because it's Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, a country record. But let's face it, once you know that that's a Bee Gees record, you kind of can't unhear it. It's a pop record in country drag. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that's going to be a fun one to follow. Well, it's 1983 and no one can get arrested because the police are too busy staying at number one. (laughs) Because the police are at number one. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I really got it. Is there a job that, that I could do where I just do that all day? Where you just pull pull a pun every once in a while? Yep, this um, is it. 
And then uh, at the, you know, the song Just Be Good to Me actually uh, breaks through on the Hot 100 charts uh, at the end of August at number 90. And then we've also got another record from the uh, Sugar Hill Records, Sugar Hill Gang on the Black Singles charts. Kick It Live from 9 to 5 debuts at number 61. From 9 to 5, it doesn't matter when you arrive. Hey, as long as when you come, you'll have some fun and... Uh, and then at the very, very end of the month on the 31st, Carly Simon, who we haven't mentioned at all this episode, releases an album called Hello, Big Man. Oh, hello, Big Man. What's, what's <laughs> Not a very well-remembered Carly Simon What singles Simon do you album. have for me? Um, yeah, not, uh, not anything you know. Sounds like not that many. Okay, great. Yeah, goodbye charts, you might say. Mm. Uh, all right, let's go to September. First week, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This finally hits number one. And this is our first number one single that we've, uh, from any of these inductees, this this whole episode thus far. Yep. And then, yeah, the- Toppling uh, the police after eight weeks at number one, the police. So that, that's a giant killer mo- move for Eurythmics, toppling the police. Yeah, it's a testament. Stand Back is falling. Is there something I should know is falling? They're at 16 and 29, but Islands in the Stream is coming up. Not quite the top 40, but it's at number 43. Uh, and then, of course, the next week, Sweet Dreams is- out of the top positions, back at number two, stand back is and is there something I should know? Are falling? I believe is there something I should know? It, it falls off the top forty overall, but stand back is at twenty four, and then Islands in the Stream breaks the top forty at number thirty four, and then as stand back is falling, we've got another Stevie Nicks song. If anyone falls, debuts at number sixty one. And then if we go to the Black Singles chart. Uh, we've got the peak of Just Be Good to Me by the SOS band at number two. Uh, so mm-hmm. this song is really doing well on that chart. And then we've also got the debut of an interesting song on the Sugar Hill Records label, a song called Breakdancing Electric Boogie by West Street Mob. A band that features Joey Robinson Jr., the son of 2022 inductee Sylvia Robinson. Oh, yeah. nepotism. Never hurt anybody. <laughs> it gave us breakdance and electric boogie. Not to be confused with break into electric boogaloo, which is a year and a half later, but I digress. Yeah, very uh, confusing. All right. Third week, we've got, you know, Sweet Dreams and Stand Back are falling. Sweet Dreams is at five. Stand Back is at 35. But Islands in the Stream is climbing as it will continue to do. It's at 26. If anyone falls, it's climbing to number 47. And then we've got a big one debuting on the charts this week, all night long. Parentheses, all night. Uh-huh. Yeah, so all night long, parentheses, all night. They use it number 62. All night and then we've got the Love is a Stranger re-release. You know, I alluded uh-huh. to this earlier. After the huge success of Sweet Dreams, they took Love is a Stranger and tried it again. It debuts at number 81. So we've got uh, Sweet Dreams fallen to number six. Uh, slow fall, though, but Islands in the Stream, a quick rise. It's at number 17. If Anyone Falls is at number 39. Uh, Stand Back drops off the charts all night long. Climbing leaps to number 43. And then here's a big one. Love is a battlefield debuts at number Maybe you've heard of it. Perhaps mm. you know it. And by that's a, a, by a certain Miss Pat Benatar. No and 
and that's a song that was actually on a live album right. uh, but it's obviously a studio track which you know sometimes artists will do yep and then we've got you know what to do by carly simon debuts at number 90 you know what? her good for her at least she got week, on that chart good for her september it uh you know it will not climb much you higher know what to do that. get off that chart <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got kick it live from nine to five from the sugar hill gang peaking at number 50 on the black singles charts all right let's go to october islands in the stream has broken through to the top 10 it's at number nine sweet dreams is falling to number 16 all night long all night is, has climbed to number 28. If Anyone Falls uh, is at number 33. And the Sweet Dreams single on October 4th goes gold, which Interesting. is quite a uh, quite a feat. Islands in the Stream the next week goes to number six. All Night Long is at number 14. Sweet Dreams is falling to number 22. If Anyone Falls, not this single, it's mm-hmm. climbing to number 25. Uh-huh. And Got then... Love is a Stranger's just outside the top 40 at number 42. And Love is a Battlefield is at number 48. Because Love is both a Stranger and a Battlefield, to mm-hmm. be clear. Yeah. and Love you is know, no Stranger to the Battlefield. We haven't fully reconciled which one it is. Is it both? It seems like based on chart performance, potentially. Also worth noting, this second week on the 11th of October, Can't Slow Down, the album is released. Uh-oh. And the, Watch uh, out. Yeah. Here oh, comes yeah. 1984. Mm-hmm. around the corner and then yep. big time I, I can feel it yeah and then also uh on the 15th that live album live from earth from pat benatar is released so as we look at the third week we've got islands in the stream still climbing it's at number five all night long similarly has climbed to number seven if anyone falls is at number 20 as love is a stranger is at number 32 and love is a battlefield is at number 35 sweet dreams has dropped off the charts at this point but we've got a lot of songs kind of climbing uh this third week uh, islands in the streams the song goes gold on october 18th uh the day the day before that on october 17th marshall mathers turns 11 hmm Felt like uh, acknowledging Eminem at some point. Uh, he's obviously oh, yeah, not going to come gonna up. I was going to say he's not but... coming into this chart. I'll bet he's an Islands in the Stream fan, if I'm going to guess. <laughs> um, so Islands in the Stream continues. It has gone gold, but it has not gone number one yet, which is interesting. Mm. It goes to number three in that fourth week of October. All Night Long is at number five. If Anyone Falls is 16. Love is a Battlefield is 26. Love is a Stranger is 29. And then at that final week of October, Islands in the Stream hits number one. All Night Long hits number three. Total Clips in the Heart is the song that's in the middle. If Anyone Falls is at number 15. Love is a Battlefield is at number 20. Love is a Stranger is at number 25. Uh, Sugar Hill Records on the Black Singles chart, we've got White Lines Don't Do It debuts at number 71. Vision, dreams of passion. A total, total classic. Credited to Grandmaster Flash, even though Grandmaster Flash had absolutely nothing to do with its and recording. I believe it's really, it's a Melly Mel record. To the point where sometimes they, I think on the official record, it says Grandmaster and Melly Mel. They kept the Flash yes. off mm. there to be uh, coy. 
Kind of, yeah, coy and a little bit vague. And then we've got the peak of Breakdance and Electric Boogie at number 37 at the end of October on the Black Singles charts. Let's go back to um, our number one record, Islands in the Stream. So the same mm-hmm. week, October 29th, 1983, that it goes to number one on the Hot 100, it also goes to number one on the country chart. To my knowledge, that is the last time that has happened in wow. chart history. And it is the last time that any record will go to number one on both of these charts until the song Amazed by Lone Star in 1999 and two. 2000, so nearly two decades later. Um, and the reason I bring this up is here's the thing to know about Islands in the Stream. Islands in the Stream is the last gasp of what I call, and I did a whole hit parade episode about this, what I call the urban cowboy movement. Basically, that 1980 movie kicks off a roughly two and a half to three year period where country music is crossing over to the pop charts. You get number one hits like Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. I Love a Rainy Night by Eddie Rabbit. Uh, You get top 10 records by folks like Crystal Gale, um, Juice Newton. Islands in the Stream is kind of the last gasp of this. And really, it's already kind of over at this point. And it's a mark of just how catchy Islands in the Stream is. Again, credit Barry Gibb, that this song in the middle of all this synth pop and Lionel Richie (laughs) breaks through and goes to number one. Like that is a catchy ass record to be, it should be remarkable to everybody that this record is number one on the pop chart and the country chart simultaneously at all. That is a real feather in its cap. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I'm glad you did. That's fascinating. Well, I'm over here like trying to remember what the hell Amazed by Lone Star is because all I can hear <laughs> is Baby, I'm Amazed. And I'm like, what in the damn hell is this album? Lonely Grill, 1999. What a garbage year for music, man. I, it was- all you need to know about Amazed by Lone Star, just to show you how different it is. In 83, when Islands in the Stream goes to number one, it's the same record going to number one on both the Hot 100 and the country chart. In 1999, Amazed goes to number one in a twangy version by Lone Star. It starts to cross Mm. over on certain pop stations. So they re-record it with no pedal steel and more pop oriented, more adult contemporary sounding arrangement. And that's the version that goes to number one on the Hot 100. The de-twanged version. They de-twanged it. All right, so uh, let's go to November. November is huge. November is where things really, in my opinion, like uh, hell up. Yeah, coalesce with with this class of inductees in particular. So Islands in the Stream is at number one, and we've got All Night Long at number two. So I think this is the first instance of the inductees having the top two slots. Uh, if anyone follows us at 14, Love is a Battlefield is at number 17. Love is a Stranger is at number 24. And then we've got a Duran Duran song, Union of the Snake, debuting at number 59. That's the first single from their 1980, late 1983 album, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, which is going to dominate the charts in 84. But mm-hmm. this is the, the initial salvo from that album. And this is the uh, peak of if anyone falls also this week the sweet dreams album goes gold now uh as we go in the second week we've got a swap now all night long is at number one and islands in the stream is at number two we've got love is a battlefield climbing to number 13 if anyone falls is finally falling at number 21 love is a stranger actually goes up a little bit to number 23 and we've got union of the snake at number 42 at this point with two songs in the top 40 Eurythmics released their second album of the year, an album called Touch, on November 14th. Those singles won't chart until the next year, though. But let's just say it, Here Comes the Rain Again is a total banger. Yes, absolutely. Here comes the rain. 
that's the lead single from that album. But yes, that won't chart until 84. All right. The third week of November is what is the, to me, the big week when it comes to these inductees. We have All Night Long at number one. We have Islands in the Stream at number four. We have Love is a Battlefield at number seven. We have If Anyone Falls at number 22. Union of the Snake at number 24. Love is a Stranger at number 31. That is five of the seven performer inductees in the top 40. That to me is crazy. Not to mention we've got If Anyone Falls, which is an Iovine track. We've also got debuting on the Hot 100, Tell Me If You Still Care, an SOS band song. It debuts at number 94. So we've got Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis representation as well and then when you go over on the black singles charts you've got tell me if you still care is at number seven just be good to me is still on those charts at number 96 sugar hill records representation is there white lines is at number 48 uh break dance and electric boogie is still on the charts barely at 99 that third week of november we've got representation of so many of the inductees this year across the charts. That's also the week that, as Chris mentioned, Seven of the Ragged Tiger, the album by Duran Duran is released on the 21st. And then we've got Live from Earth from Pat Benatar going gold on the 22nd. Huge, huge week where everything, nearly everything from this year of inductees is present somewhere save for like Eminem and Carly Simon. And, you know. you know, and briefly, you asked at the very beginning when we started, if there has ever been a Rock Hall inductee class that has this confluence around a single year. And I, I'm not sure you really would find them. What's interesting is that all of these artists have been eligible for a long time. I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's a 25-year cycle, but they're all getting in this year. So it's really just kind of a massive coincidence that the 83 is the peak for many of these artists. And yet they've been eligible for the Rock Hall for a decade, two decades, in some cases, longer. Yeah. Uh, so because this would have been if, if the if we're talking about 83, if we were talking about just debuts from 83, you know, then it would have been 2009 when you right. would have had the class. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And then as we close out November, you know, a lot of this, the same Songs are still around. We've got All Night Long at number one, Islands in the Stream at number four, Love is a Battlefield at number six, Union of the Snake at number 14. Uh, if Anyone Falls and Love is a Stranger are off the charts at this point. But we've got All Night Long is still at number one, but we've got a new Lionel Richie entry, uh, Running with the Night debuts at number 57. My favorite trivia about Running with the Night is that uh, Toto's Steve Lukather plays guitar on that record. He also played the main guitar riff on Michael Jackson's Beat It. Everybody talks about how Michael Jackson's Beat It features Eddie Van Halen, and that is true. Eddie Van Halen plays the solo on Beat It, but Lukather actually plays the main riff on Beat It. And he ah. also plays the riff and the solo on Running with the Night, which is kind of, for this Lionel Richie album, it's kind of Lionel's rock, quote unquote. Yes. Uh track most rock track uh i think the story goes that lukather was like listening to the track and then played you know it was it was kind of noodling around to play the solo and then he was like okay i think i got it and they're like oh yeah we we got it you're not doing it again uh <laughs> what you just did is gonna, is gonna be the solo for running with the night For the record, Running With The Night is the only Lionel Richie song that ever made the album rock chart. Mm. It peaks at 
number 49. It's only on the chart for one week, but that smoking Steve Lukather guitar solo is enough to get it on a few AOR stations. Incredible. Just thought I'd mention that. Uh, we've also got at the end of November, we've got some peaks on the black singles charts. Uh, Tell me if you still care from the SOS band peaks at number five. Uh, also just not for nothing all night long has been number one on the black singles charts. You know, it, it has a huge presence and is number one at this point as well. Uh, and then yep. white, white lines peaks at number 47 on the black singles charts as well. Which is a criminally low peak. And, you know, it it should be said that, you know, Sugar Hill Records is still, for all intents and purposes, an independent label at this time. Mm -hmm. And this shows you the limits of independent promotion, that they can't get uh, a bigger hit out of White Lines, which is just one of the most irresistible singles of all time. Truly. Uh, Built out of uh, a sample of uh, Liquid Liquid's Cavern, just one of the greatest raps of all time. But the 80s is kind of the second wave peak of Paola on the radio. And uh, there's going to be some indictments handed down about three years after this. And uh, if you read uh, Frederick Dannon's book, Hitmen, Paola has run rampant on the charts in the 80s. And if you are a little independent label like Sugar Hill Records, it is hard to pay off enough DJs to play your record, which explains why a record is classic and irresistible as White Lines. It's not doing better than number 47 on the black chart and nothing, by the way, no peak at all on the Hot 100. Just pointing that out. Oh, that's insane. Which is honestly criminal. And so let's take it to the final month of 1983. You know, we've still got All Night Long at number one. We've got Islands in the Stream at number four. Love is a Battlefield at number six. Union of the Snake at number 11. Running with the Night at number 35. And at this point, we get our first inductee to have the number one album in the country with Can't Slow Down with Lionel Richie. Most of the year, it's Thriller or Synchronicity. It's a tough year to break through, but Can't Slow Down finally does at the beginning of December. Uh, The second week is huge because we get four of our performer inductees in the top 10. Because while All Night Long is at number two, Love is a Battlefield peaks at number five. Yep. Islands, Islands in the Stream is still in the top 10. It, it has fallen to number six. And then we have Union of the Snake at number seven. Four in the top 10. So I think that this is a, you're not, not quite as big as the end of uh, November in terms of quantity, but in terms of quality, that's, that's pretty huge. And then we've still got Running with the Night climbing at number 30. Not for nothing, Dolly Parton's Save the Last Dance for Me uh, hmm. debuts at number 78 on the pop charts. make much of an impact but there it is and there's dolly a remake of the old doc pomus classic mm-hmm. uh made famous by the drifters yes and then uh, over on the black singles charts we've got a song by cheryl lynn called encore which debuts at number 82 Classic of the of this period of uh, R and B radio funk uh, produced by Jimmy and Terry. It will go to number one on the Black Singles chart in early '84. And Cheryl Lynn, if you know that name, she uh, had a big disco hit with uh, to "Got be to Real. Be Real." My favorite yep, disco best. song. So My good. absolute favorite disco song. And that's another one with some uh, with some Toto guys on it, I believe. 
unbelievable. Uh, no, song. not not that one. No, here's here's the Toto connection. She, right after she has her hit with "Got to Be Real," she is the voice on "Georgie Porgy" by, to- by Toto, which is a bigger black radio hit than pop radio hit. Georgie Porgy misses the top 40 on the pop side, goes top 20, I believe it peaks at number 18 on the R&B chart, which is thanks largely to that smoke and vocal from Cheryl Lynn. But we do have David Pache on Got To Be Real. He does play the keyboards yes, fair on that point. record. So there is a good point. There is I a knew there was something toto going on with, with Got To Be Real. Because Toto were everywhere. They Yeah, they were inescapable. Uh, also, that second week of December, we've got Islands in the Stream goes platinum on December 7th. And then we've got uh, Benatar's live album, Live From Earth, going platinum on December 9th. Third week of December, All Night Long has fallen to number three. Union of the Snake. Uh, is at number five, Love is a Battlefield, slightly dips to number six. Islands in the Stream is slowly falling at number eight. Running with the Night is climbing to number 25. And then we've got another Jimmy Iovine-produced debut, uh, Nightbird by Stevie Nicks, comes in for the first time at number 63. We have got All Night Long, the song going gold on December 12th, and Can't Slow Down, the album goes platinum also on December 12th. Which is remarkably fast. I mean, yes. that, that, that that record went gold and platinum almost instantaneously. And uh, as we've talked about before, the first Diamond album can't slow down, uh, which wouldn't happen quite yet, but soon. Right, they had, crazy. To, they, had, they, they had to invent that award. It didn't mm-hmm. exist. Little detail: multi-platinum albums didn't uh, exist until the late until late 1984. So you could say a record was quote double platinum in 1983, but it was not actually awarded as such by the RIAA mm-hmm. until late 1984. And then the RIAA doesn't invent the Diamond Award until the 90s, the late 90s. But Can't Slow Down is retroactively given the Diamond Award because it has sold 10 million copies. And now here we are, the final week of 1983. We finish it off. Union of the Snake makes it to number three. All Night Long has fallen to number five. Love is a Battlefield is at number seven. Islands in the Stream has fallen off the top 10 at number 18. Running with the Night is at number 21. We've got Nightbird at number 48. And on the Black Singles charts, uh, Cheryl Lynn's Encore closes out the year at number 40. And at the very, very end of the year, on December 27th, a little song called Hello is released. Hello, is it me you're looking for? And it will make some noise in 1984. 1984. Make some noise in 1984. I want to acknowledge... Big Brother was not ready (laughs) for what was about to hit it. I want to acknowledge uh, the other inductees who we haven't talked about and what they were doing in 1983. I couldn't find out the exact date when it was released, but sometime in 1983, potentially in December, but again, I I couldn't find specifically, uh, Elizabeth Cotton... The uh, one of the early mm. influence inductees this year released a live album called Everybody Live. Say, freight train, freight train, freight train, freight train. And I want to say she was 90 years old at this point. Wow! Uh, but Dang. she was still she was still out there touring. You know, I found a New York Times article from 1983 that was about, you know, a show that she was doing coming up, which is really crazy. Harry Belafonte wasn't doing much, but he did host a TV special with Carol Channing called Parade of Stars. Uh, I found a pretty pretty picture of the two of them smiling. Uh, That's, you know, when we talk about things that are rock and roll. 
That's got to be up there among the most rock and roll things I've ever heard. And finally, 1983 was when Alan Grubman joined the board (laughs) of this new thing called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, where he was instrumental in stalling for five years so he and his buddies could push out the founder, Bruce Brandwin, (laughs) and take it for themselves. And so that's... That is the that is what everybody was doing in 1983. A huge year for so many of these artists who are being inducted uh, in 2022. Joe, what were you? You were not born in 1983, right? I was not. No, it would still be a number of years before I would make it onto the scene. Joe was not alive. In his, I was just going to ask you what you were doing. I was. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I was just toddling around. <laughs> I was. Uh trying not to get noticed in seventh grade, basically (laughs) trying not to get sliding under the radar. Totally. And having way too long conversations with, uh, the girls in my class about Duran Duran and their chart positions. Cause that was all I had. (laughs) I had no game, but I can at least tell you what a Duran Duran song was doing on the charts that week. That was, that was as much game as I had. Oh, that was, that was your, oh, that was your in. You're like, oh, well, if you if you'd like to know, they actually they're um, they're moving up in the hot 100. There's been a re-release of Rio. Uh (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously, it's it's not much lamer than that anyway. But yeah, I mean, and one thing we haven't talked much about in all of this, uh, but when I look at these top tens that were dominated by all these inductees is the influence of the music video. I mean, this really is the moment when the music video comes into its own. Think about love is a battlefield, which is like the record where they convince Pat Benatar to do drill team dancing picture, every breath you take, not an inductee, but you know, the record that blocks sweet dreams are made of this until sweet dreams are made of this. And sweet dreams is, you know, an epic music video Uh, all night long by Lionel Richie, one of the very few uh, music videos by a black artist that gets play on MTV, obviously Duran Duran. I mean, where do we begin with Duran Duran, whether it's Hungry Like the Wolf or Union of the Snake, which has an utterly incomprehensible video if you ever want to spend some time and take a look at it. But yeah, this is, again, two years after the launch of MTV and MTV is really the unseen force behind the charts, even though, as I said before, MTV did not count directly for the charts and never would. It was the invisible hand controlling so much of what was happening on the charts at this time. So that's that's the common factor in so many of these hits. Wow. A huge year, uh, almost 40 years ago. Uh, And here we are inducting so many of them finally. Um, But Chris, Thank you so much for uh, for joining us for this. You were the perfect guest for this. You you brought you. you brought the heat as I knew you would. Anything you would like to plug or your socials, what what have you? Sure. Uh, well, of course, uh, Hit Parade is available in all your podcatchers. Uh, I just dropped a new episode last week. It's about uh, something that has nothing whatsoever to do with 1983. Uh, although I do include a brief clip of the Eurythmics, you'll see why when you listen to it. But it's about the Virginia Beach genius production triumvirate of Pharrell Williams, Tim Timbaland Mosley, and Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott, so, yeah. So that's uh, that's a fun episode, that's and awesome. you'll see why why I play the Eurythmics in the middle of that episode. And I am on Twitter at C Melanfi. Excellent. You know, our big plug, of course, is that we are going to be at the Bottle Rock Festival at the Feast It Forward stage, likely tomorrow, May 28th, maybe even 29th. 
If you want to know about that, check our social media. We'll let you know. Or like, if you don't want to do, I don't know, you could, you know what, you could email us and I'll tell you if I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll post it somewhere on our socials, yeah, so right? We'll, we'll try we to get it. We'll it. try to get it out there, but you know, you can email us for that info, or you can just email us because you want to say some stuff to us because we like to hear from you. Rockhallpot at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see that, you need to designate that. Otherwise, I'm not going to forward it. She doesn't want to see it. Uh, and you can follow us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Anything less than five would be rude. Uh, thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music. And thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. I'm Joe Grizzola. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares? About the Rock Hall. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.